KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I really have very little regret about how everything played out. If I would have written it, my college career couldn't have gone any better. And then I had such great experiences with the sport in high school at O'Hara, in grade school at Annunciation. It was just always something that like gave me so many opportunities. It led me into this life that I have now. And our guest this week is Trish Julene Bruner, one of the greatest basketball players in the history of Villanova women's basketball and the history of Villanova basketball, period, and a part of one of the greatest upsets in history. Trish, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm excited to be here. So before we talk basketball and look back on your career, what are you doing these days? You're a nurse, correct? I am. I am a NICU nurse at... Hospital of UPenn at 34th and Spruce. So I work clinically with mainly premature babies and then sometimes babies that had, you know, a little need a little extra help uh, after delivery that are term. And I work as a clinical bedside nurse. Like we talked about, I'm, I'm part-time, so I'm working two 12s overnights a week, heading down there and then working overnight and coming back. We have heard a lot of stories, obviously, in the midst of the pandemic of the strain put on the nurse nursing industry. Has the last year been a lot different for you or given your role, did it not affect life as much as maybe it did a lot of other nurses? So initially, with the fear of the unknown and not really knowing, there was a lot of stress for myself, for my colleagues. Our unit wasn't as impacted by the pandemic as others that were treating COVID patients. Anytime a mom was laboring that was COVID positive and the baby potentially could be admitted, obviously all the PPE was donned and doffed and it was very different than any other year I've had as a nurse. Was nurse always the end goal for you? Even if I'm talking to you back in high school and college, did you always want to be a nurse? You know, not really. I had this kind of like an epiphany, I called it when I was in my mid twenties, that it was something that I think I would be good at something that I think would challenge me like intellectually challenge me emotionally. Because when I was in high school and college, I didn't see myself academically as the type of student that could handle that, that course load. And it's funny because I feel like the confidence I gained through sports is ultimately what led me to pursue this career. I was probably like 25 years old. And a couple of my friends had gone back second degree programs to get their BSN. And I was like, I really would like to do that. And finally, I just went for it. I was just like, you're either going to do it now or you're never going to do it. So I ended up while I was coaching at Drexel with Denise, I ended up taking some courses at Delaware County that were like prerequisites to get into the nursing program transferred into Villanova's BSN Express. So it's like a 14-month program for people that have already have college degrees and are interested in nursing. And that's ultimately what I ended up doing. And it was a great choice. It's a great career. And then I also went back and got my master's from Villanova too in nursing. Loving the career. It, It fits my personality well. It's just, it's one of those jobs, like people say, that is very fulfilling. Like it can be very stressful but ultimately you're making a huge impact on somebody at like the most vulnerable time of their life likely. So that part for me will always be why I stay in it. So let's go back growing up basketball, (laughs) always your top sport or were you a kid that played or you were all, it was basketball. I wasn't all basketball, but it was always my favorite. Like I was probably like a nine-year-old girl wearing like high tops and watching the NBA on the regular. And my next door neighbor, Caroline Tarvis, who played at Haverford High School, and I would, we would play all day in the like winter, spring, summer, fall. But then, you know, we also played other sports. We swam on the swim team, did soccer in the fall. That was kind of, I feel like more than norm when, you know, when I was growing up is that kids did different sports each, each season kind Mm -hmm. of. But I would always do like basketball summer camps and it was always the sport that I loved the most. What was it about the sport that you loved? Was it just you were good at it or 
you just was, were drawn yeah, to it. Yeah, it was that. I, I don't know. Like, my brothers played. I was always just trying to, like, you know, they were a few years older than me, always just kind of, like, leech on to what they were doing. And then I, I was good at it. So I think, you know, people like to do things they're good at. <laughs> but I remember, like, distinctly being in my backyard, being probably 10 or 11, and pretending I was backcourt mates with Michelle Thornton, who played at Villanova, but was also from Havertown. So I had idolized her growing up because she was awesome. Went to my grade school, then she played locally in high school, and then went to Villanova. And I was always, you know, a huge Villanova basketball fan because my dad had been. So it's just funny. I did love it as a kid. I still do, you know. It's still like anytime I see a ball, I have to pick it up and like <laughs> do something with it. Yeah, it's just like one of those things that's just like innate, you know. I don't know exactly what it was about the sport that first attracted me to it, but always loved it. So as you're playing growing up, is there – is there a moment when you realize you're going to be able to take hoops further than most that, Hey, maybe I can play in college or, you know, maybe beyond that, you know, I mean, it's hard. I know a lot of times when you're young, you're just kind of doing it and one step leads to the nub to another, but was there a moment when you thought, Hey, you know what? I can, I can take this somewhere. Yeah. I would say that moment for me didn't happen until high school though. I was always kind of clueless about NCAA sports and, even though I loved Villanova basketball, didn't make the connection that I could maybe one day do this. But as I was going into my high school freshman year, one of the local AAU team coaches had contacted me to see if I wanted to like play up a year. I was like, play up a year? What, what does that even mean? And they were like, well, we feel like you're talented enough to play with all these kids that are really good. When I got there, I was like, oh, I, I mean, I can like, you know, like, and then it started to be, you would see, you would have exposure to college coaches. And then you would realize that this is, this is a thing that really might happen. Yeah. I was like, always uh, looking for Harry in the stands. It was funny. Even like when I was 14, I was always set on playing there, you know? And Harry, Harry's Harry Peretta, who was the yes, longtime Villanova yeah. women's basketball coach. That was my next question. You went, to, you went to Cardinal O'Hara for high school. Yes. Was yes. it ended? It was always Villanova, and that's where the discussion ends. Did you get offers other places or serious looks other places, or were you just all focused on I'm going to be a Wildcat? So whenever that comes to fruition, that's the answer. Yeah, I did. I actually visited locally at St. Joe's and Drexel. Um, and I also visited at Penn State. They were like the schools that I was considering other than Villanova. I think I always knew deep down inside that that's where I would end up if it was, if it presented itself. You know, my parents encouraged me to kind of look around, see what, you know, what the best fit was. And ultimately it was there. I, I did one official visit. So you know how you have like the unofficial where you can walk around the campus and talk to the coaches. And I don't know if all the rules are still the same, but I only took an official visit to Villanova. And then I called Harry, like the Sunday that I came home, I called him like a couple hours later. And I was just like, I, I know that this is where I want to come. So I have to like let everyone else, uh, everyone else know that this is what I'm doing. How's the transition from high school AAU to college for you difficult or relatively smooth from a basketball standpoint? I think more is demanded of you off, you know, off the court in terms of conditioning and strength training and nutrition and just making you aware of how to get the most out of your body physically and how to treat it well, emotionally and mentally. I think the biggest difference for me from high school to college was the mental aspects of the game and kind of like the grind of the game. And that's why I feel like Villanova was the perfect fit for me. Cause I was so much in line with Harry's philosophy of things. And he made it so that, you know, you focused only like on the things that you could control in a game, which I related to really well. And I think just the constant, you cannot ever let up for a second when you're playing an NCAA team. Where in high school, it was different, where you would just sometimes ultimately be so much more talented than the other team. 
that you would really just have to show up where in college that was, that was never the case. You had to perform. <laughs> so that was like, you know, a hard adjustment, I think for anybody, but I felt well supported through it. So it wasn't anything crazy that I felt like overwhelmed me or anything. But like I said, that's why I felt like Villanova was the perfect fit for my, you know, my skill set, my personality, and kind of like my philosophy of things. You mentioned perfect fit and you talk skill set. You know, Harry Peretta, famous for running that motion offense, and you were a player that moved constantly, especially without the ball. How much of that was just you being you, and how much of that came together once you got into the program? Yeah, I think it was a combination of both. Like I said before, like I feel like Harry set you up to succeed based on the things that you were good at. Um, Cause I wasn't super athletic, you know, wasn't super fast, like didn't have great lateral speed, but I would keep, just keep going, you know, and it really helps in his offense because if you knew the spots to go to, you, you could find yourself in, in a good position a lot. So I think understanding his offense and how to, just work hard within it helped me a lot and like allowed me to have success that I probably wouldn't have had it at another program that was like high speed up and down and, you know, relied a lot on athleticism. Do you remember your first wow moment in college? Like when you did something or you had a game where you were like, man, you know, I can do this. I'm, you know, I, I belong here and this is fun. Yeah, I do remember like a couple times being like surprised by myself, you know, like I remember when my freshman year we played at West Virginia, their Coliseum was like under construction or something. And we were playing at this local community college and they were very tough, like um, like scrappy and just effort wise, like never, ever stopped. You know that that's hard, like, you know, especially when you're not as athletic. And I just remember like kind of just grinding it out and making like a few shots. And I was like, I, you know, I can't believe that just went in as I'm, I'm running back down the court. And like Harry, I, I remember him like trying to call a timeout because he thought I was like in a bad spot. And then I like kind of went up and under and made this like nice shot. And I heard him like say something like, or you could do that. Or, you know, like something along like those lines, like they weren't his exact words. And then the next time we were in the timeout, he like, very, very briefly, like complimented me. And I was like, wow, like, okay, just, just keep, just keep sticking with it. Like you're going to be okay. I think that was one of the things that I always liked about myself is that, you know, it's kind of just clueless about just always like staying humble, you know, like not really knowing, just doing what you're told basically. Through your career, you are all over the record books. Uh you know, scored more than 1,600 points. You were one of the best assist people, uh, shot the three incredibly well, held the record for threes for the longest time. How did your game evolve during your time at Villanova? I mean, were you basically the same player you were in high school, just a better version of it? Or did your game evolve as you went through your college career? I do think my game evolved. And like I said, I feel like it was because I was in the right system. I also think those things that we talked about, like strength and conditioning, like I was, I was doing those things because I valued them as I got later into my career. Whereas in the beginning, like I didn't value them as much. It just was like doing them because I was supposed to. I just think having an understanding of the, of Harry's offense and his system and the things that he expects from you in terms of like mental focus and, and all that, I just continued to get better at as I played for him. And I think that's honestly why I had success is because he kind of, you know, he was like, he was just the perfect coach for me in terms of getting the, the most out of me. I feel like. Did you, as your college career is evolving, do you start, do you remember a time when you started to realize that it was pretty obvious other teams were coming into the game 
with the idea of not letting you do what you want to do when it became apparent that word was out on you, that you had drawn attention where, all right, now I'm getting double teamed a lot, or boy, they're doing this to me, and I've never experienced this before. Do you remember that at, You know, as your college career went on? Yeah, I think the summer after my sophomore year, I think it was, I went on a like Big East All-Star Tour, with, and it was one player from each team, and we played in Germany and Belgium. And I just remember at the time, like, again, being like surprised because I was doing real, like doing really well throughout it. And just hearing like the way the coach, the coach of the team was the coach at Syracuse at the time. And um, just hearing like their staff talking about me and the other players talking about me, I was just like, oh, like people, people think I'm good. (laughs) You know, Harry's not really one to hand out a lot of compliments. So I was just like, oh, okay, great, you know? And then I think that was kind of that into that next year was when, you know, we lost some of our offensive talent. You know, Brandy Barnes was like a huge player for us when I was a sophomore. And so I think there was a little bit more offensive scoring, you know, relied on relied on me the next year. And I think that was kind of when I realized people are throwing different schemes. Like I remember like box and one and stuff like that, that made it a little more challenging, but like, that was, that was the stuff that Harry always was good at kind of managing and combating, I guess. To that point, how satisfying is it to have a team work specifically on something in practice to try to slow you down and have it not work? I would imagine from a competitive standpoint, that's gotta be a a very nice feeling. Yeah. I mean, And even so like the whole thing was, is like anytime, and I don't know, I don't remember how often it happened that there would be a box in one, but like the whole thing is, is that everyone else just gets involved, you know, like, it's like, well, we're all a team, you know, like, so it was just, we had, we had a lot of talented players when I played, that was, you know, why we were good. And it was just the aspect of people stepping up when they needed to step up. I think that's why we had a lot of success is because we had different people with different skill sets that, you know, did step up a lot. But yeah, from a competitive standpoint, it gets heated when you're in a box and one and somebody's in your face the whole time. Like I remember, I remember specifically being annoyed by that. And, you know, anytime someone scores, it's just like, ha, you know, (laughs) there you go. You guys are going to have to take this off because everyone else is scoring too. I was, I was definitely a little feisty with, competition and at that stage of my life. <laughs> and you had, you mentioned having success your first three years, you guys have success. I think you went to a couple NCAA tournaments. I think you won at least one, the, the your junior year. I think you, you beat, you beat somebody in the first round. Did you lose to Oklahoma or am I backwards? Uh, so, yeah. So my sophomore year, we beat Drake and then we lost to NC state in the second round at their own court. And then my junior year, we beat, I believe Pepperdine. And then lost to Oklahoma on okay, their home that's court what I... in the second round. But yeah, they ended up going to the championship that year. They were awesome. And that was, it was so rowdy at, I, I think it's Norman, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. where, yeah. where they play. So that was a really cool experience for us because that environment, you know, we didn't always see. Now it would be, you know, UConn and Notre Dame had really, really rowdy fans, but Oklahoma was just like a fun vibe. Like their fans were into it. And um, it was a good game, you know, like it wasn't like they blew us out. I think the final score might have been a a stretch, but we we hung tough for a while. And ultimately, they were just very, very talented. And they beat they beat us. I remember Stacey Dales. I remember they had another really good guard that was just like tough. Like she she was fast. She was strong. Like she was just not like a motor you know, they were, they were really good. They went to the championship that year. And I think they lost to UConn in the championship, like in another, like good game played. So we, yeah, we were in it, you know, we had some good, good experiences, like in terms of, I don't, I don't remember how far NC state went my sophomore year, but that was another like really cool environment too, where the fans were, were into it. It was like a very small gym. Like, I, I don't know if the men play in the same spot as the women or at least back then, but it was like a, it was almost like a high school gym, and it was just rowdy. <laughs> so it was 
So it was fun. So you have that, you guys have that success and then it's leading into your senior year uh, and your senior year is one of the greatest seasons team wise Villanova women's basketball has ever had. Take me back yeah. to like September, October of your senior year. Were expectations high in the group? Did you guys have a feeling that you've got a combination and a chance to do something special? You know what, Matt? Like our goal for the year was to win the big five. That was like, that was it. Cause we had never, we had never won the big five, you know, even though we had success within the big East. And then because we were in a good conference, got to go to the NCAAs, we had never won. So yeah, set that expectation. I mean, in hindsight, pretty low, but that's what, that's really what we wanted, you know? And then early on in the season, we played in this tournament at university of Colorado and we played Ohio state who was ranked and Colorado who was ranked. And Harry told us we were going to lose both games and we won the tournament. And we were like, oh, okay. Like kind of surprised, you know, like, all right. But we played, we played really well. We like competed and just kind of the same thing that we were good at. We would just like grind people out. They were close games and low scoring games, kind of like just how, just how we liked it mm-hmm. and ended up beating Colorado on their home court to win the tournament. So then we were like, okay. We're doing pretty good. And then I remember the only loss that we had that year that we were disappointed in felt like we, we could have won if we would have been a little like more focused was against UMass at UMass. So we were just kind of, I think at that point, like, just like what we're just going to show up and be who we are like every time and wherever that lands us, that lands us. And I felt like, that kind of alleviates a lot of the pressure, you know, is just like, we're going to do whatever we can control, whatever we can, you know, and part of that is our mental focus. And I mean, it just ended up being kind of everything fell into place that whole season. So it was so fun. Yeah. You <laughs> did win the big five in addition we to did. a lot. Yeah. Of, you ran the table in the big five and so you get to the postseason, you get to the big yeah. East tournament and you get to the final and you play this team, I think it's from Stores, Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> you play UConn, who had won yeah. 70 straight games. Anyone that even casually follows women's basketball knows the aura that surrounds yeah. Connecticut basketball. You guys played in the regular season. They beat you, but they didn't destroy you, which they do to a lot of teams, a lot of good teams. I think they beat you by 18, 20 points, yeah. and it was up at their place. So this, And this was on a neutral court, right? This was in Piscataway, or up at Rutgers? Yes, Rutgers, yeah. And even in the first game, like, it was very, it was very low scoring. I think it was like 58-38. Mm-hmm. I had to leave the game, like, for a long time because I got hit in the face, and um, I was, like, dizzy, I guess. I mean, I, guess, I don't know if it was, like, concussion protocol or whatever was happening then. But I just remember, like, it was totally accidental, but Diana Taurasi, like, got a rebound and just, like, turned and kind of, like, half shoulder, half elbowed me. And, like, I felt like I got hit by a car. I was like, that girl is so strong. And that was always, like, anytime we played them, I could not get over their strength. Like, you can see their speed, you know, like, when you watch them. But when they would, like, set a screen on you, you're just like, wow, like, you are so much stronger than I am. That's something that I don't think is like palpable to the fans, you know, like it's not something that you can see when you're watching the game, but that was something that like always blew me away about them every single year. I was like, yep, they're still that much stronger than me no matter what I'm doing. It's just like, they just, they just were, they're just, you know, yeah. Like I remember them warming up, And they had this, like, you know, this routine where there was, like, they were just, like, pumping each other up. You Mm -hmm. know, like, very normal. But Katie Davis and I are, like, looking at each other, and we're kind of, like, rolling our eyes. Like, I just wish we could beat them, you know? And, like, in no way did we think that that was actually going to happen. And so it was, like, so funny from, like, that point of, like, all right, like, let's just just compete with them to, like, then having it actually happen was – it was just so – so crazy for us. And like I said, so much fun. And it was kind of like everything fell into place during the game, you know, in terms of like, we stayed really low with the score kind of kept 
the possessions down for them by, you know, keeping the, the ball almost the whole shot clock. And it, and it just like they ended up, you know, missing some shots that they typically would have made. And what are you going to do? You guys were actually <laughs> up three at the half, but it's like 20 yeah. to 17. Do <laughs> yeah. you remember as that game's going on? And I know, you know, fans at home are watching it and going, oh, they're, they're hanging around, whatever. As yeah. you're in the midst of the game, are you guys looking at each other going, no, well, these guys are human. We're 10 minutes in here and pretty much a flat-footed tie. Why not us? You remember, like, no. thinking that? No. I never I never thought that the whole game. Honestly, not even until the buzzer the buzzer went off. Because I remember, like, we we ended up getting down nine in the second half. And I specifically remember thinking, like, okay, here it comes. Like, here comes the onslaught. And we kind of just, like, withstood it. And then got back into it. Like Nicole Druckenmiller had hit a couple threes. Courtney Mix made a play, like an and one. And we were right right back in it. I never for one second was like, all right, why not out? Why not us? You know, like it was just like I was thinking of all these scenarios in my head. Even like, so I got fouled with under a minute to go. And um, I think we were up one. I, for, I honestly forget. But I remember like being in the timeout and Harry being like, if, if she makes them this, if she misses them this or whatever. And I was like, well, I'm definitely going to miss them. <laughs> like there's no way I'm making these. And I wouldn't even call myself. Like I was just preparing for like, if it went wrong, you know, like I don't think I necessarily thought of, Oh, I'm a terrible free throw shooter. I'm not going to make this. It was just like, when I, when I miss them, we need to do this. Like just being prepared for like the bad outcome which is just so funny to me because I feel like it was like, you know, Harry kind of always being prepped for the next thing, kind of him like living through me. <laughs> but they went in and then they ended up turning it over. I, for- I forget, but we ended up winning by four, but it was close the last minute. I remember like we th- inbounded the ball and the time ran out and I was just like, we, oh my gosh, we, we seriously won. So then of course the celebration started which lasted like three days. <laughs> what, could you, what do you remember of the UConn players? Because you mentioned that run, and I've got it in my notes here. It was like an 18-2 to two run, I think, coming yeah, out of the crazy. locker room. Yeah. They punched you right in the mouth, and like yeah. you said, here it comes. But when you guys fire back, which is something I'm sure they weren't used to, did you notice anything? Do you remember watching them? And, you know, you mentioned – hit a couple yeah. threes, Courtney makes a play where they're like, no, 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 no. You guys are supposed to go away now. Like we've, we've proved our point. Was there, was it yeah. palpable no. on the floor? Yeah. I re I remember thinking like, I've never seen them be snippy with each other before. Like they were there, there was tension within them, you know, like I, we had never presented a scenario that challenged them in that way, I guess. And we saw this new side of them and I was like, wow, they're like, they're barking at each other. I've never, I've never seen that before with them you know like that ha- that happens a lot like within the game like people get frustrated and you know say things to teammates or whatever but it had never presented itself with them because it was always they were always comfortably ahead you know so that was something new and it surprised it surprised me you know because you say like oh they're human too but you like they were just so invincible like at that, especially at that time, I know they've had like streaks that have gone past 70 now, like into the hundreds or whatever, but it was just like, they, they never lose, you know, like, so it was, it was, it was strange to see, but it also was like, in hindsight, like, okay, like we, cha- we challenged them in that way, you know, like there's something very rewarding about that as like a competitor. And do you think their invincibility in that moment worked against them because they were just so used to imposing their will when all of a sudden it didn't work, they kind of didn't know where to turn. Well, I do think that's where like some of their inexperience kicked in because at that, in that year, um, like Diana Taurasi obviously was very experienced, but they were relying on a lot of younger players because they had graduated so many people the year before. Like that was the year that Sue Bird and Swin Cash and like two other awesome players graduated. So they were, you know, it was technically, I would think like a rebuilding year for them, but, you know, they were still talented enough, obviously, to get to that point of the season without losing. But 
I would think it would be hard for a freshman or a sophomore that hasn't played much to finally be losing in the second half for the first time ever, like to maybe not know exactly what to do, you know, or have that kind of emotional mental part of the game be different than anything they've experienced before. So, yeah, I think that inexperience helped us. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with former Villanova basketball star, Trish Julene Bruner, right after this. When someone at KYW News Radio goes out to cover a story, there's a lot that just doesn't make it on the radio. I cannot believe this is going on. In a world of lazy arguments, it's one of the laziest. I'm Jay Scott Smith, and I talk to my colleagues about everything you didn't get to hear on the air on the podcast, The Rundown, from KYW News Radio. Listen free on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. And we are back. Our guest this week, Trish Julene Bruner, one of the greatest players in the history of Villanova women's basketball. So you mentioned the celebration after you you guys win, and you were talking about being at the free throw line. I had that yeah. you hit two foul shots very late with like thirteen seconds left. Yeah, okay. I think yeah. made the final score fifty two forty eight. Is that what you're thinking of? When you- okay, so that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, it was fifty to forty eight. Yes. And Harry's like, if she makes one, this. If she makes both, this. If she misses this. And I remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to miss the first. Cause it was still one and one. It wasn't like at the 10 and then you get to sh- right. automatically shoot two. I remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to miss. They're going to come down, make a three. I, like then, you know, like I had this scenario of us getting down one because I was going to miss and then they were going to make a three. That's what it was in my head at the time. <laughs> so what do you remember when you hit the second one? I mean, not only did you hit both free throws, but two possession game, 13 seconds left. Yeah, it's well, not so yeah. In the, and not in the books, but uh, the win probability is really on your side. Do you remember cycling through? Like, no, but that's the thing. Like, I it was never never the huh? win was never on our side until the buzzer sounded. So it was like we had this defense end of the game. It was called orange, and it was switch every screen and prevent the three um, without fouling. And so we were that. And Druck, if you see like the last play she went for a steal. You don't go like that was part of it is you don't go for a steal either. You just like stay in front and prevent them shooting a three. She went for a steal in orange. Diana Tarasi gets open, shoots a three, but it, it's short. And I forget her name. She was the center. Jessica Moore, Jessica Moore rebounds. And then like somebody just gets out of her way and she travels with the ball. And then it was like two seconds left. And we, you know, we just had to inbound. It was. It honestly wasn't until the horn went off that I was like, "Oh, we we could actually win this game." <laughs> so, what is the celebration like? It was just like chaos because I think it was just so unexpected. So, of course, like you can see, like in the video of the game, like the circle at center court, and then like cutting. We get to cut down the net, like something none of us had ever done at this at that at the collegiate level, and then you know, because of the post-game championship ceremony and then, like, the press, we were there for probably, like, another two and a half hours or whatever. And then we drove back to campus, you know, on a bus. And honestly, like, people were literally just screaming the whole time. Like, it was, like, absolutely rowdy chaos from Piscataway to Villanova. I just remember, like, a bunch of us that were... 21 went out to McGillicuddy's and Ardmore after and just watched ESPN because it was like the lead story on ESPN. And every time it would come on, we'd be like, that's us, you know, like just couldn't even like get over it. Yeah, that was my kind of my next question. You obviously know you've beaten a great team and you win the Big East and you're going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Do you remember kind of coming to grips with how big it was. You mentioned lead story on ESPN. You know, you guys are in every newspaper in the country and you know, I'm, I'm sure you're doing all kinds of interviews like for days afterwards. Do you remember like really like, Oh my gosh, like we didn't just like win a game. We've done something that's going to be remembered forever. Yeah. I think like in those days after it was just like, kind of just like so fun and we were just so excited that it's like, you know, you forget about the fact, oh, we won the championship, you know, like that was for a for a trophy and for our school to have this, you know, memorabilia forever. And then like the streak part of it. Yeah, it was just 
it was crazy. Like I said, because it was so unexpected, it just was like hard to process, you know, (laughs) like it was like, yes, let's keep celebrating. But it also was like, okay, but the season's not over. Like we still have the NCAA tournament. And then I think it got to the point where it was like adding pressure to the tournament because we were like, a two seed, which was way higher than we thought going into the, the season. Our first round game, I think was St. Francis. PA. It was St. Francis. PA, yeah. And they were just like us. Like they were the grinded out. They didn't give up. They were gritty. And like, that was the kind of team that like scared us. Cause like you, you feel like I shouldn't say scared us, but that was the kind of team that like, it was good. Just, it was a bad matchup for you. I mean, it was, and, and we were nervous because we had just had all this celebrate. And I think I like the nervousness of all of us was palpable in the locker room. Like, I remember that, like, just like we have to win this game. Like it's a terrible feeling, you know, like, and then I think it just took some time on the court for us to kind of work that out. And I think they might've been winning at halftime and then, quickly in the second half, like we, we got back on track and then we stayed on, we stayed on track, you know, like we went, we beat St. Francis, who was a great team. GW was a great team, Colorado again, which was, you know, a great game and then played Tennessee tough. So it really ended on such a high note. I remember like we were tearful in the locker room after the Tennessee game and Harry's like, you have nothing to be crying about. And we were like, can we just be sad it's over? <laughs> so it was great. It was, I mean, it was like just so fun. And it was like one of those teams where it was like, we really got the most out of each other. So it was like so rewarding because every, every game, it was a grind for all of us, you know, like nobody was super athletic, nobody, but everyone just, you know, always gave their, their best effort. It's just such a rewarding experience as an athlete, as a competitor to see that kind of success with just like executing a game plan and trying as hard as you can. (laughs) How often are you asked or referenced? Does that UConn game come up? How many times do you meet somebody and they go, you know, there was a Trish Juleen that was on that Villanova team. I mean, it used to happen a lot when I was like in my twenties and stuff, like shortly after college, it happened frequently. And it's still funny. Even now, like sometimes like at work, I'll be caring for a baby in the family. And one of my coworkers would be like, you know, that your nurse is famous, right? (laughs) I'm like, Oh, I have NICU PR. I don't know if anyone knows that. (laughs) Just like funny stuff like that. And I'm also like, probably the most gigantic nurse by like 10 inches, um, on the unit. So (laughs) it does come up randomly. Like even my next door neighbors from Connecticut, his parents like remembered the game, you know, like stuff like that, but not as frequently any anymore, but it's still always so fun to talk about. What is the, you mentioned you guys get to the, it was the elite eight. You lost to a fantastic Tennessee team who at that time, UConn's one, a Tennessee's one B I think in the, yeah. discussion of women's college yeah. basketball. Do you remember how long it kind of took you to take a deep breath and process, not just the Yukon, but like that whole two, three weeks, you know, for, of winning the big East, winning multiple games, the NCAA tournament, getting on to that stage, going toe to toe with legends all over the place. How long did it take for you to kind of let that sink in and realize you hadn't just been a part of it. You'd been a catalyst for it. Yeah, I don't know if it's still like, that's so funny that you say it like that. That just gave me the chills because it's like, I don't know, like it just, it just was like, things just kept presenting themselves and we just kept performing like the best that we could. But it's so funny because like you still see Sue Bird, Diana, they're still playing. (laughs) Like they're, you know, WNBA legends, UConn legends, like hall of famers, all that stuff. And it's just crazy that like this part of my life that sometimes seems like an entire lifetime ago was like at one point on par with them in that way, you know, like it's just, it's crazy to think about in, in that way, just because 
I never really saw myself like that. Like not in any way, like on par with them, I guess. I don't know if that makes sense, but I don't know. Like it's still, it's still so fun to talk about because it was just such a wonderful experience for me. And like I said, the experience and having success with basketball translated like confidence into the rest of my life. Like how I said I pursued, I don't think I would have pursued the career in nursing and taken on this like challenging coursework if I hadn't had had this experience. So it's like, in that way, it did change my life, you know, in like a positive way. And in so many other ways, just in terms of like meeting people and networking and just lessons that you learn through the game, which I feel like was what I loved most about sports, you know, in hindsight. After your college career, you get drafted by Washington, WNBA third round, 2003. Uh, what's that experience like, you know, getting drafted, getting a shot? What was it? What was it like? I mean, I remember I was in Rite Aid with Katie Davis and Kelly Nash and my mom called me and she's like, "Hun, you got drafted. And I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, the Mystics drafted you. And I was like, I got to call Harry. Hold on. And he was like, I told you it might happen. And I was like, okay, uh, Ari, what do I do? And he was like, you got to go down there. And so I wasn't even done school yet. I still had a few more weeks of coursework that I like just rallied and did over like 48 to 72 hours. And um, I ended up driving down there. I was probably only there for two weeks and it was unlike anything I had ever been a part of. It was super intense. I remember like we would do, I believe it was like a strength training in the morning and then like a morning practice and then like go home, rest and come back for another practice. My body was just like, nah, like I can't do this. Like I was icing every, after every single thing and just like watching these women, like in the weight room, and then watching like the 17 million pounds come off each thing and then me try to do them. I was just like, wow, like our physical prowess is so different. Like I'm just, I just never had that sort of like strength and stamina that, you know, professional athletes have. So I ended up, you know, I competed though. And I think the coaching staff appreciated that about me. Like I did, you know, give, give it everything that I had, even though my body felt like it was on fire the whole time. But I remember having a, you know, just like a one-on-one meeting with Marianne Stanley. And she was like, very kind. She was like, we really, we really like you, but there's things that you, you have to work on if this is going to work out for you. And I was like, okay, like, what, what do you need? And she was like, the expectation is that you would play here in the summer and then join a year, like a Euro league, I guess. I'm not even sure of the tiers. I don't even know how that works. Cause I never ended up doing it. And she was like, and when you come back, you'll need to work with, I think his name was Steve on your foot speed. And I was just like, okay, I don't, I don't think this is how it's going to go for me. So it was like a great experience, but it also like showed me that like, I just, I don't think my body could have like handled that grind. And like, I guess it wasn't something ultimately that I wanted enough, you know, like, cause I at least could have, at least could have tried for that year, but I ended up coming back after two weeks and like, kind of like embarrassed, but like, you know what, like, however life is going to work out for me, it's going to be fine. Cause like, just it, like say humble and <laughs> be graceful. And like I came back and then I ended up, I talked to Harry, I talked to Denise and ended up taking like the graduate assistant job with, with Denise at Drexel. And so I, I was there for four years and I loved it. It was great. It was like a perfect segue from college into like figuring out my professional life. And um, it was great to learn from them from like a professional standpoint. And then also like at that time is kind of when I figured, you know, for my long term. I think nursing is is a better fit for me. But how you play for Harry Peretta and you coach with Denise Dillon, uh, those are two heavyweights to be surrounded by. So, I mean, what did you learn? We, we talked a lot about, you know, what Harry taught you. What did you learn under Denise Dillon as her assistant? 
Denise also was a coach at Villanova when I was there. So I knew Denise from when I played. My freshman and sophomore year, she was an assistant under Harry. And I knew, like, she she would just demand demand more of you in terms of, like, physically. She just really, like, had a way of, like, bringing out the most in you. It just was amazing to see, like, her in the head coaching role. Because I had experienced it as the athlete, you know, with her. I remember, like, this specific story of... So we used to do a timed mile for one of like our work, like off court workouts. And it was literally like the dread of all of us. Like we would be like, not the timed mile. And like, we had to run it in seven 30. Like it wasn't like we were, you know, sprinting around the track, but for some of us that never really ran before, that was pretty fast. And, um, I can still like, even when I go to the track now, I can smell it. I remember like the fear in my body of like the timed mile. <laughs> and so for whatever reason, I had a conflict with my coursework and couldn't make the timed mile with the team. And Denise was like, I'll run, I'll run it with you when you're, whatever it was, like exam or presentations over, just come by when it's done. So it's like me and her on the track and like, the best I had ever done was, was seven 30. And like, I was so pumped about that. I'm like, I'm, I'm basically like the fastest person in the world. So we're, we're, she's like, okay, let's do it. And she's running with me, like fully running with me and just kind of like motivating, motivating, motivating me. Well, we finished the mile in five fifty two. I couldn't get over it. And like, it was just like, she had this way of, she demands more of you, but she also like she's not just talk. She'll, she'll show you like, you can do this. It's like really empowering, you know, like, okay, maybe I just needed someone to tell me I could. I saw that over and over with her players at Drexel and like, they all went through there. Like she would demand a lot of them. I mean, a lot out of them, but it made them better and it made them like more accountable and like better basketball players. And then ultimately like having that accountability helps you in like the rest of your life. So I can't say enough good things about Denise. I love her. She's great. I think she's a wonderful coach and I think she's such a great role model for the, for the players on the team. And so it's, it was like thrilling for her to, you know, be able to be the next, the next coach there. Cause it's still, like I said, we all felt so connected to the program forever because everyone that played there had something in common, you know, like we, we could always, I, I didn't play with you. I'm 10 years older than you, but we can have share this joke because we know this happened to you too. Cause we have this common bond. And then now it feels like we still have that sisterhood because all of us know Denise, even if we haven't played with her, we have that bond of like, she played for Harry and now like, you know, she's making her mark in her way on the program now. So you give up playing, were there ever, and you talked about, I don't think this is for me, everything that goes into it, but over the years, ever any tinge of regret that you didn't give it a role in Europe or, you know, maybe when you're coaching with Drexel and you still got it, you're still young, you know, maybe I'll, yeah. maybe I'll give it another shot. Was there, did you ever have that? Yeah, I think I have. So I, I shouldn't say I think I have. So when I was coaching at Drexel, Michael Cooper came to a couple practices to look at one of the players and ended up inviting me to Sparks training camp the following year. So I went there too. Didn't make the team, but it was like a good, it was good, another good experience. And like, I would say it's not regret because I know who I am. Um, I would have struggled with living in a different country and it's a shame that that was that that's the only way it could have happened for me. Like, I wish my personality was different and that I would be like, let's go to another country and play, you know, but I just, that's not who I am. So I can't regret like who, who I am, you know, like I wish that that was different about me and that that experience at that age, I could have enjoyed, but I think I would have really struggled. And honestly, like, I mean, I, really have very, very little regret about how everything played out over, over my career. You know, like I couldn't have asked for like, like if I would have written it, my college career couldn't have gone any better. 
And then I had such great experiences with the sport in high school at O'Hara and like in grade school at Annunciation. Like I just, it was just always something that like gave me so many opportunities. Like I said, it led me into this life that I have now. It also gave me this confidence that I don't know if I would have had otherwise. So like, I can't really regret anything about it. Do I miss playing like a thousand percent? But there's also like, now that I'm old, like I don't want to tear my ACL, you know, like there's things that I just, you can't get youth back, you know, and everybody feels that in some way. I can't say that I really regret my choices because I think that they were like well thought out. I just wish I would have been a little more, a little bit more daring at that age. It's like, yeah, I could do it now. (laughs) To that point though, kind of the, the inverse of that though, you had all this success You mentioned high school, college, got the chance to coach, and you basically got to do it all in your backyard. And you've got, and now you live in the same place. And we, you talk about what the nurses say, you know, that, oh, you don't, your nurse is famous. Like, there is something to be said for being, for all those wonderful experiences to be woven into the fabric of the area where you've spent your life. Totally, totally. Like I said, like I am who I am. This is where I love to be. If it could have worked out that there was a club team in Havertown or somewhere local that I could have played on, that would have been great. But like, it just didn't. And, you know, I did play for like 10 years after in like the Drexel Hill Women's League and like other local leagues. And it was, it was enough, you know, like I enjoyed it when I was young and super in shape. And, you know, like I would still play in like, an over 40 league or whatever, you know, whatever it would take. But it's just, there was a time for it. And it was like an unbelievable, an unbelievable experience for me. And then it was like time for it to be over. And that was fine. Trish Julene Bruner, this was a ton of fun. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Matt. You're the man. And that will do it for this week's episode. Many thanks to Trish Julene Bruner, the former Villanova women's basketball star, for being our guest this week. If you like this show and you want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter, at one-on-one-pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well, at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to join us again next time when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more more about.